Okwavai, he might withdraw himself from persecution. If God would give me grace, I would gladly suffer for his name. I know it is the greatest blessing that I could receive. Every man will confess this, but they add, We are weak and shall quickly be beaten down by the cruelty of our enemies. But St. Paul taketh away this excuse by saying, God will strengthen us, and that we must not look to our own strength. For it is certain, if we never come into conflict with our enemies, we shall be afraid of our own shadows. Seeing we know this weakness, let us come to the remedy. We must consider how hard it is to withstand our enemies. Therefore, let us humble ourselves before God and pray Him to extend His hand and uphold us in all our afflictions. If this doctrine were well imprinted in our hearts, we should be better prepared to suffer than we are. But we are apt to forget it. Yea, we stop our ears and close our eyes when we hear it spoken of. We pretend that we wish God to strengthen us, but we cannot bring our sight to the power that St. Paul speaks of. We are apt to think that we have nothing to do with it, although the Lord hath shown us that his power will always uphold us. Therefore, let not our weakness cause us to withdraw ourselves from the cross and from persecution. Seeing God hath received us into his hands and promised to supply our needs. St. Paul here addeth a lesson to make us greatly ashamed if we be not enticed to glorify Jesus Christ by suffering persecution. He saith, God hath saved us and called us with an holy calling. Behold, God hath drawn us out of the gulf of hell. We were utterly cast away and condemned, but he hath brought us salvation and hath called us to be partakers of it. Therefore, seeing God hath showed himself so liberal, if we on our parts turn our backs on him, is not this a shameful malice? Let us mark well the accusation of St. Paul against those that are inconstant, those that are unwilling to suffer the assault made against them for the sake of the gospel. Undoubtedly, his mind was to comfort the faithful for the time to come. He therefore showeth what God hath done for them already. When God giveth us any token of his goodness, it is to the end we should hope for the like at his hands again, and wait till he bring to pass what he hath begun. Therefore, if God hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, do we think that he will leave us at midway? When he hath showed us our salvation and given us his gospel, whereby he calleth us to his kingdom and openeth the gates unto us, when he hath done all this, do we think he will leave us here and mock us and deprive us of his grace or make it unprofitable? No, no. But let us hope that he will bring his work to a perfect end. Therefore, let us go on with good courage, for God has already displayed his power toward us. Let us not doubt, but what he will continue it, and that we shall have a perfect victory over Satan and our enemies. 
and that God the Father hath given all power into the hands of Jesus Christ, who is our head and captain, that we may be partakers of it. Thus we see St. Paul's meaning. God hath witnessed, and we know it by experience, that he will never fail us in time of need. And why so? For he hath already saved us, in that he hath called us to the gospel and redeemed us from sin. He hath called us with an holy calling, that is to say, he hath chosen us to himself out of the general confusion of mankind. The Lord having drawn us to him, will he not uphold us and guide us to the end? This is a sure confirmation of the power of God, that we always find him ready to help us. Therefore, we put our trust in him, knowing that we have already felt his power. That we may profit by this doctrine, let us know first of all that whereas God hath given us the knowledge of his truth, it is as much as if he had shown us already that we belonged to his heavenly inheritance and that we were his and of his flock. If we are persuaded of this and resolved therein, we shall always go forward in the cause, knowing that we are under his protection. He hath sufficient strength to overcome all our enemies, which makes our salvation sure. Let us not fear on account of our weakness, for God hath promised to assist us. We should think upon this and endeavor to receive that which is said to us. The Lord will bring our salvation to an end. He will assist us in the midst of persecutions and enable us to overcome them. When we are once convinced of these things, it will not require much power of rhetoric to strengthen us against temptation. We shall triumph over all our enemies, notwithstanding we seem to the world to be trodden underfoot and utterly overwhelmed. But we must come to this declaration, which St. Paul added, concerning the salvation of which we have spoken, and the holy calling. He saith, not according to our work, but according to his own purpose and grace. For he hath no respect to our works or dignity when he called us to salvation. He did it of mere grace. Therefore, we shall be less excusable if we disobey his requirements, seeing we have not only been purchased by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he had a care of our salvation before the world was made. Let us here observe that St. Paul condemns our unthankfulness if we be so unfaithful to God as not to bear witness of his gospel, seeing he hath called us to it that he may better express this purpose. The apostle adds that this was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Before the world had its course or beginning, it was revealed at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. When this great Savior made his appearance, the grace that was hid before, yea, and could not be reached by the knowledge of man, was made clear and manifest. And how so? The Son of God destroyed death and also brought everlasting life. And we need not go afar off to find it, for the gospel leadeth us to it. 
when God sendeth us this message of salvation, we have only to receive the inheritance which he promised us. Let us open our mouths that he may fill them. Let us open our hearts and give this testimony of the gospel leave to enter. And the immortality of the kingdom of heaven shall dwell within us, though we be poor, frail vessels, and have nothing but corruption and rottenness in us. Yet notwithstanding, we do already lay hold upon this immortality, and have a sure witness of it, when we can accept this grace that is offered in the gospel that we may better understand what is here contained. Let us remark that this word purpose signifieth the everlasting decree of God, which hath no causes whatsoever. For when we speak of God's counsels, we need not dispute about who moved him, as though we should imagine reasons and say, This is the reason why God hath determined after this sort. This is the cause why he would have it so. For God will have us use such a soberness that his bare will may suffice us for all reasons. When it is said, God hath thus appointed it, though our eyes be dazzled and the matter seem strange to us, and we see no reason why it should thus be, yet we must not find fault. It is wisdom in us to do whatever God appointeth, and never ask why. But because men have busy heads and given much to curiosity, St. Paul bringeth us to God's purpose and telleth us plainly that we must consider it so deep that we cannot enter into it to know who moved him. He was moved only by his just will, which is a rule of all justice, therefore. We are hereby informed that our salvation depends not upon our deserts, God never examined what we were, nor what we were worthy of when he chose us to himself, but he had his purpose, that is, he sought no cause of our salvation but in himself. St. Paul showeth evidently that this word purpose signifieth this decree, but because men cannot by reason of the pride that is in them withhold themselves from imagining some worthiness of their own, they think that God is under an obligation to seek them. But St. Paul saith pointedly, purpose and grace. This is as much as if he had said free purpose. This is therefore to beat down all our works, that we be not so foolish and stubborn as to think God chose us because there was something in us worthy of it. No, no. But we must know that God never went farther than himself when he chose us to salvation. For he saw that there was nothing but condemnation in us. Therefore he contented himself by mere grace and infinite mercy to look upon our misery and help us, although we were not worthy. For better proof hereof, St. Paul saith that this grace was given us before the world began. We perceive by this how void of sense men are when they vaunt themselves of believing that they are the cause of their own salvation and have prevented God's goodness or were before him and met with him. 
whereupon hangeth our salvation? Is it not upon the election and choice that hath been from everlasting? God chose us before we were. What could we do then? We were made fit. We were well disposed to come to God. Nay, we see that our salvation doth not begin after we have knowledge, discretion, and good desires, but it is grounded in God's everlasting decree, which was before any part of the world was made. What can we do then? Have we any means to put forth ourselves? Can we give God occasion to call us and separate us from the rest of the world? Are we not then marvelously mistaken when we think we have some worthiness of our own and exalt our deserts to darken God's grace and be thus prepared of ourselves to have access to Him? We must mark well for what a purpose St. Paul here mentions the election of God saying that grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. They that think to abolish the doctrine of God's election destroy as much as possible the salvation of the world. This is the most fit instrument used by the devil to deface the virtue of the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, to bring to naught and destroy the gospel, yea, and to put the goodness of God out of man's memory. The devil hath no fitter instruments than those who fight against predestination and cannot in their rage suffer it to be spoken of or preached as it ought to be. If we detest the papists, as indeed they ought to be detested, because they have profaned the Holy Scripture and have marred and depraved the truth of the gospel and the service of God by infecting all the world with superstition and idolatry, much more are they to be detested who go about to bring to naught God's election and endeavor by indirect and crooked ways to stop men from speaking of it plainly and openly and of preaching it as it ought to be. Wherein consisteth the salvation of the faithful only in God's free election? Would we not have men preach that God hath chosen his of mere goodness without regard to anything whatsoever? Will we not admit this to be such a mystery as cannot be attained to, showed and declared to us as far as God wished to reveal it? If we do not admit this, we enter into a conspiracy with Satan, as though Jesus Christ suffered in vain, and the passion that he suffered profited the world nothing. We may here remark that the gospel cannot be preached, that it is a profane gospel, or the doctrine of Mahomet, that there is no church nor Christianity if God's election be abolished. The Holy Ghost that speaketh here must needs be proved a liar if this doctrine be not received. Therefore let us fight constantly, for it is the groundwork of our salvation. How can we build and maintain the building if the foundation be destroyed? St. Paul showeth us here with what virtue we must fight and how we shall come to this inheritance which was so dearly purchased for us. He showeth us how we shall enter into the possession of the glory of God and make an end of this building in faith. My friends, we must be grounded upon the grace that was given us 
not today nor yesterday, but before the world began. It is true God calleth us at this day, but his election goeth before. Yea, and God chose us without any respect to our work, as we could have done nothing before. But we are debtors to him for all, for he drew us out of the bottomless pit of destruction wherein we were cast and past all hope of recovery. Therefore, there is good reason for us to submit ourselves wholly to him and rely upon his goodness and be thoroughly ravished with it. Let us hold fast this foundation, as I said before, unless we will have our salvation perish and come to naught. This doctrine is profitable for us if we can apply it well to our own use. They that would not have us speak of God's election will say, it is not necessary, but such men never tasted God's goodness, neither do they know what it is to come to our Lord Jesus Christ. If we know not that we are saved because it pleased God to choose us before the world began, how can we know that which St. Paul saith to us, to wit, that we should give ourselves wholly to God, to be disposed of at His will, and to live and die in His service? How can we magnify His name? How can we confess that our salvation cometh from Him only, that He is the beginning of it, and that we have not helped Him therein? We may say it with our mouths, but unless we believe it as here set forth, it will only be hypocrisy. Therefore let us learn that the doctrine of God's election, whereby we are taught that he predestinated us before the world began, ought to be preached openly and fully in despite of all the world that would stand against it. And not only so, but we should know that it is a very profitable doctrine for us because we cannot lay hold upon the infinite goodness of God until we come thither. Unless this point be well cleared. God's mercy will be always disguised. I say, unless this be made plain to us, that he hath chosen us before we were born and before we could prevent him. Men will frequently say that we were bought with the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and that we are not worthy that God should show us such great mercy. They will likewise say, Who hath a part and portion in such a redemption as God hath made in the person of his Son? Even they that will. They that seek God. Even they that submit themselves to him. They that have some good motives and are not rude. Those that are good-natured and have some good devotion. When men make such a mixture and think they are called to God and to His grace for something that is in themselves, that they bring something to recommend them to the favor of God, whereby they may attain salvation, the grace of God is darkened and rent asunder. This is a sacrilege that ought not to be countenanced. For this cause, I said, the goodness of God shall never be thoroughly known until this election be laid before us. And we are taught that we are called at this time because it pleased God to extend His mercy to us before we were born. 
This doctrine must be explained more at large, but as time will not admit at present, we shall attend to it in the latter part of the day. Chapter 3 The Doctrine of Election Who hath saved us and called us with unholy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Second Timothy 1, 9 and 10. We have shown this morning, according to the text of St. Paul, that if we will know the free mercy of our God in saving us, we must come to his everlasting counsel, whereby he chose us before the world began. For there we see he had no regard to our persons, neither to our worthiness, nor to any deserts that we could possibly bring. Before we were born, we were enrolled in his register. He had already adopted us for his children. Therefore, let us yield the whole to his mercy, knowing that we cannot boast of ourselves unless we rob him of the honor which belongs to him. Men have endeavored to invent cattle, to darken the grace of God. For they have said, although God chose men before the world began, yet it was according as he foresaw that one would be diverse from another. The scripture showeth plainly that God did not wait to see whether men were worthy or not when he chose them. But the sophisters thought they might darken the grace of God by saying, though he regarded not the deserts that were past, he had an eye to those that were to come. For, say they, though Jacob and his brother Esau had done neither good nor evil, and God chose one and refused the other, yet notwithstanding he foresaw, as all things are present with him, that Esau would be a vicious man, and that Jacob would be, as he afterwards showed himself. But these are foolish speculations. For they plainly make St. Paul a liar who saith, God rendered no reward to our works when he chose us, because he did it before the world began. But though the authority of St. Paul were abolished, yet the matter is very plain and open, not only in the Holy Scripture, but in reason. Insomuch that those who would make an escape after this sort show themselves to be men void of all skill. For if we search ourselves to the bottom, what good can we find? Are not all mankind cursed? What do we bring from our mother's womb except sin? Therefore we differ not one whit one from another. But it pleaseth God to take those to himself whom he would. And for this cause, St. Paul uses these words in another place when he saith, Men have not whereof to rejoice, for no man finds himself better than his fellows, unless it be because God discerneth him. So then, if we confess that God chose us before the world began, it necessarily follows that God prepared us to receive his grace 
that he bestowed upon us that goodness which was not in us before, that he not only chose us to be heirs of the kingdom of heaven, but he likewise justifies us and governs us by his Holy Spirit. The Christian ought to be so well resolved in this doctrine that he is beyond doubt. There are some men at this day that would be glad if the truth of God were destroyed. Such men fight against the Holy Ghost like mad beasts and endeavor to abolish the Holy Scripture. There is more honesty in the papists than in these men, for the doctrine of the papists is a great deal better, more holy, and more agreeable to the sacred scripture than the doctrine of those vile and wicked men who cast down God's holy election. These dogs that bark at it, and swine that root it up. However, let us hold fast that which is here taught us. God having chosen us before the world had its course, we must attribute the cause of our salvation to his free goodness. We must confess that he did not take us to be his children for any deserts of our own, for we had nothing to recommend ourselves into his favor. Therefore, we must put the cause and fountain of our salvation in him only, and ground ourselves upon it. Otherwise, whatsoever and howsoever we build, it will come to naught. We must here notice that St. Paul joineth together, to wit, the grace of Jesus Christ, with the everlasting counsel of God the Father. And then he bringeth us to our calling, that we may be assured of God's goodness, and of his will that would have remained hid from us unless we had a witness of it. St. Paul saith in the first place that the grace which hangeth upon the purpose of God and is comprehended in it is given in our Lord Jesus Christ. As if he said, seeing we deserve to be cast away and hated as God's mortal enemies, it was needful for us to be grafted, as it were, into Jesus Christ, that God might acknowledge and allow us for his children. Otherwise, God could not look upon us only to hate us, because there is nothing but wretchedness in us. We are full of sin and stuffed up, as it were, with all kinds of iniquity. God, who is justice itself, can have no agreement with us while he considereth our sinful nature. Therefore, when he would adopt us before the world began, it was requisite that Jesus Christ should stand between us and him, that we should be chosen in his person, for he is the well-beloved Son. When God joineth us to him, he maketh us such as pleaseth him. Let us learn to come directly to Jesus Christ, if we will not doubt God's election. For he is the true looking glass, wherein we must behold our adoption. If Jesus Christ be taken from us, then is God a judge of sinners, so that we cannot hope for any goodness or favor at his hands, but look rather for vengeance. For without Jesus Christ, his majesty will always be terrible and fearful to us. If we hear mention made of his everlasting purpose, we cannot but be afraid, as though he were already armed to plunge us into misery. But when we know that all grace 
rest in Jesus Christ, then we may be assured that God loved us, although we were unworthy. In the second place, we must notice that St. Paul speaketh not simply of God's election, for that would not put us beyond doubt, but we should rather remain in perplexity and anguish. But he adds, the calling, whereby God hath opened his counsel, which before was unknown to us, and which we could not reach. How shall we know, then, that God hath chosen us, that we may rejoice in him, and boast of the goodness that he hath bestowed upon us? They that speak against God's election leave the gospel alone. They leave all that God layeth before us to bring us to him, all the means that he hath appointed for us, and knoweth to be fit and proper for our use. We must not go on so, but according to St. Paul's rule, we must join the calling with God's everlasting election. It is said we are called, and thus we have this second word, calling. Therefore God calleth us, and how? Surely, when it pleaseth him to certify us of our election, which we could by no other means attain unto. For who can enter into God's counsel, as saith the prophet Isaiah, and also the apostle Paul? But when it pleaseth God to communicate himself to us familiarly, then we receive that which surmounteth the knowledge of all men. For we have a good and faithful witness, which is the Holy Ghost, that raiseth us above the world, and bringeth us even into the wonderful secret of God. We must not speak rashly of God's election and say we are predestinate. But if we will be thoroughly assured of our salvation, we must not speak lightly of it, whether God hath taken us to be his children or not. What then? Let us look at what is set forth in the gospel. There God showeth us that he is our Father, and that he will bring us to the inheritance of life, having marked us with the seal of the Holy Ghost in our heart, which is an undoubted witness of our salvation, if we receive it by faith. The gospel is preached to a great number, which notwithstanding are reprobate, yea, and God discovereth and showeth that he hath cursed them that they have no part nor portion in his kingdom because they resist the gospel and cast away the grace that is offered them. But when we receive the doctrine of God with obedience and faith and rest ourselves upon his promises and accept this offer that he maketh us to take us for his children, this, I say, is a certainty of our election. But we must here remark that when we have knowledge of our salvation, when God hath called us and enlightened us in the faith of his gospel, it is not to bring to naught the everlasting predestination that went before. There are a great many in those days that will say, Who are they whom God hath chosen but only the faithful? I grant it, but they make an evil consequence of it, and say faith is the cause, yea, and the first cause of our salvation. If they called it a middle cause, it would indeed be true, for the scripture saith, By grace are ye saved through faith. 
Ephesians 2, 8. But we must go up higher, for if they attribute a faith to man's free will, they blaspheme wickedly against God and commit sacrilege. We must come to that which the Scripture showeth. To wit, when God giveth us faith, we must know that we are not capable of receiving the gospel only as he hath framed us by the Holy Ghost. It is not enough for us to hear the voice of man unless God work within and speak to us in a secret manner by the Holy Ghost, and from hence cometh faith. But what is the cause of it? Why is faith given to one and not to another? St. Luke showeth us, saying, As many as were ordained to eternal life believed. Acts 13.48 There were a great number of hearers, and yet but few of them received the promise of salvation. And what few were they? Those that were appointed to salvation. Again, St. Paul speaketh so largely upon this subject in his epistle to the Ephesians that it cannot be but the enemies of God's predestination are stupid and ignorant and that the devil hath plucked out their eyes and that they have become void of all reason if they cannot see a thing so plain and evident. St. Paul saith, God hath called us and made us partakers of his treasures and infinite riches, which were given us through our Lord Jesus Christ, according as he had chosen us before the world began. When we say that we are called to salvation because God has given us faith, it is not because there is no higher cause, and whosoever cannot come to the everlasting election of God taketh somewhat from him and lesseneth his honor. This is found in almost every part of the Holy Scripture. That we may make a short conclusion of this matter, let us see in what manner we ought to keep ourselves. When we inquire about our salvation, we must not begin to say, Are we chosen? No, we can never climb so high. We shall be confounded a thousand times and have our eyes dazzled before we can come to God's counsel. What then shall we do? Let us hear what is said in the gospel. When God hath been so gracious as to make us receive the promise offered, know we not that it is as much as if he had opened his whole heart to us and had registered our election in our consciences? We must be certified that God hath taken us for his children and that the kingdom of heaven is ours because we are called in Jesus Christ. How may we know this? How shall we stay ourselves upon the doctrine that God hath set before us? We must magnify the grace of God and know that we can bring nothing to recommend ourselves to his favor. We must become nothing in our own eyes that we may not claim any praise, but know that God hath called us to the gospel, having chosen us before the world began. This election of God is, as it were, a sealed letter, because it consisteth in itself and in its own nature. But we may read it, for God giveth a witness of it when he called us to himself by the gospel and by faith. 
For even as the original or first copy taketh nothing from the letter or writing that is read, even so must we be out of doubt of our salvation. When God certifieth us by the gospel that he taketh us for his children, this testimony carries peace with it, being signed by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and sealed by the Holy Ghost. When we have this witness, Have we not enough to content our minds? Therefore God's election is so far from being against this that it confirmeth the witness which we have in the gospel. We must not doubt but what God hath registered our names before the world was made among his chosen children. But the knowledge thereof he reserved to himself. We must always come to our Lord Jesus Christ when we talk of our election, for without Him, as we have already shown, we cannot come nigh to God. When we talk of His decree, well may we be astonished as men worthy of death. But if Jesus Christ be our guide, we may with cheerfulness depend upon Him, knowing that He hath worthiness enough in Him to make all His members beloved of God the Father, it being sufficient for us that we are grafted into His body and made one with Him. Thus we must muse upon this doctrine, if we will profit by it aright, as it is set forth by St. Paul, when he saith, This grace of salvation was given us before the world began. We must go beyond the order of nature, if we will know how we are saved, and by what cause, and from whence our salvation cometh. God would not leave us in doubt, neither would he hide his counsel, that we might not know how our salvation was secured, but hath called us to him by his gospel, and hath sealed the witness of his goodness and fatherly love in our hearts. So then, having such a certainty, let us glorify God, that he hath called us of his free mercy." Let us rest ourselves upon our Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that he hath not deceived us when he caused it to be preached, that he gave himself for us and witnessed it by the Holy Ghost. For faith is an undoubted token that God taketh us for his children, and thereby we are led to the everlasting election, according as he had chosen us before." He saith not that God hath chosen us because we have heard the gospel, but on the other hand, he attributes the faith that is given us to the highest cause, to wit, because God hath foreordained that he would save us, seeing we were lost and cast away in Adam. There are certain dolts who, to blind the eyes of the simple and such as are like themselves, Say, the grace of salvation was given us because God ordained that his Son should redeem mankind, and therefore this is common to all. But St. Paul spake after another sort, and men cannot by such childish arguments mar the doctrine of the gospel, for it is said plainly that God hath saved us. Does this refer to all without exception? No, he speaketh only of the faithful. Again, does St. Paul include all the world? Some were called by preaching, and yet they made themselves unworthy of the salvation which was offered them. Therefore, they were reprobate. 
God left others in their unbelief who never heard the gospel preached. Therefore, St. Paul directed himself plainly and precisely to those whom God had chosen and reserved to himself. God's goodness will never be viewed in its true light, nor honored as it deserveth, unless we know that he would not have us remain in the general destruction of mankind, wherein he hath left those that were like unto us, from whom we do not differ. For we are no better than they, but so it pleased God. Therefore all mouths must be stopped. Men must presume to take nothing upon themselves except to praise God, confessing themselves debtors to Him for all their salvation. We shall now make some remarks upon the other words used by St. Paul in this place. It is true that God's election could never be profitable to us, neither could it come to us unless we knew it by means of the gospel. For this cause it pleased God to reveal that which he had kept secret before all ages. But to declare his meaning more plainly, he adds that this grace is revealed to us now. And how? By the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. When he saith that this grace is revealed to us by the appearing of Jesus Christ, he showeth that we should be too unthankful if we could not content and rest ourselves upon the grace of the Son of God. What can we look for more? If we could climb up beyond the clouds and search out the secrets of God, what would be the result of it? Would it not be to ascertain that we are his children and heirs? Now we know these things, for they are clearly set forth in Jesus Christ. For it is said that all who believe in him shall enjoy the privilege of being God's children. Therefore we must not swerve from these things one jot if we will be certified of our election. St. Paul hath already shown us that God never loved us nor chose us only in the person of his beloved Son. When Jesus Christ appeared, he revealed a life to us, otherwise we should never have been the partakers of it. He hath made us acquainted with the everlasting counsel of God, but it is presumption for men to attempt to know more than God would have them know. If we walk soberly and reverently in obedience to God, hearing and receiving what he saith in the Holy Scripture, the way will be made plain before us. St. Paul saith, when the Son of God appeared in the world, he opened our eyes that we might know that he was gracious to us before the world was made. We were received as his children and accounted just so that we need not doubt, but that the kingdom of heaven is prepared for us. Not that we have it by our desert, but because it belongs to Jesus Christ, who makes us partakers with himself. When St. Paul speaketh of the appearing of Jesus Christ, he saith, He hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats.
our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.